Greetings, Word Horde. We're here with an exciting option for you, a version of our podcast without any ads. That's right. No advertising interruptions, just the content you love, ready to go in your favorite podcast apps like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It's another way to support the show, ensuring that we keep bringing you the word stories and language explorations that you love. Try it at waywardradio.org slash adfree. And it's affordable. For just a small subscription fee, you can enjoy Away With Words uninterrupted, except by us. Plus, it makes a great gift. Know somebody who loves language as much as you do? Give them the gift of words. Easy to sign up, easy to enjoy. It's the same Away With Words, just streamlined for your listening pleasure. Go to waywardradio.org slash adfree. Support us, support the show, and enjoy an ad-free listening experience. waywardradio.org slash adfree. Thank you. You're listening to Away With Words, the show about language and how we use it. I'm Grant Barrett. And I'm Martha Barnett. A listener named Danielle tweeted us a question the other day. She wanted to know if it's true that they call it the mall because you don't go to one store, you go to the mall. Ah, <laughs> funny, <laughs> Which, funny joke. Yeah, funny joke and, and not an entirely unreasonable question because there are some words in English that come to us in by the strangest misdiv- of ways. Yeah, yeah, by misdivision, like apron mm-hmm. used to be napron mm-hmm. and and napron became apron. Mm-hmm. But the mall did not come from them all. No, there's right? a park. In London, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, an alley. An alley, a right. So this alley. is St. James Park, where yeah. they used to play a game called Paul Mall that involves mm-hmm. a mallet. So mm-hmm. mall here is related to the word mallet. Mm-hmm. And the Paul part referred to... To the ball. It's, to the it's, ball? Yeah, it's from Italian, Palamalio. So there was this place in this park that was a long lane or a row of trees, I guess, or an open space where you would play this game Paul Mall. Yeah, it was a long alley, actually. And so the name of the game was transferred to the park. It was abbreviated to the mall. And when people started building these places intentionally where people might promenade or walk to be seen. They started calling them malls and thus when we built these giant shopping centers in the United States, there we have it. Yeah, yeah. That's great. I love that. The strange ways of history. And who knew that the cigarette name had a backstory? Yeah, and and a weird pronunciation. All 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 I know about that is that it's called the vulgar pronunciation. Oh, pell mell. Pell mell. Ah, and is it related yeah. to pell mell? Running pell mell. Um, no, that's a different. That's a different route. There we go. Yeah. Well, thank you for your tweet, Danielle. We really appreciate it. We are W-A-Y-W-O-R-D on Twitter. You can also find us on Facebook. Send us an email. Find us at waywardradio.org. And you can call us 24 hours a day, 877-929-9673. Hi, you have a way with words. Hi, this is Joanne. I'm calling from Port St. Lucie, Florida. I have a question about the word Zax, Z-A-X. Z-A-X? Yes. It, it's been my nemesis in the Scrabble game, and I just want to know where it came from, why it goes in and out of the dictionary. It has been uh, just one of those words that is not a good word for me. Joanne, what do you mean it's been your nemesis? Are you trying to play it or other people are trying to play it in Scrabble or what? Yeah, when I was a kid and learning how to play Scrabble, my mom had just taught me, you know, how, how you, you can challenge somebody. So she played Zax and she was getting all these points and I just knew that wasn't a real word. So I challenged her and we looked it up in the dictionary and it was there. So I lost the challenge. Oh, so, you were traumatized, yeah, and she right? she got all these double points, so she got all these points, and it was a challenge, so I lost big time. Oh, and man. then years later, in college, we're playing Scrabble, and I had the opportunity to play Zach. And I was like, yes, here it is, awesome. So I played it, and it was on the double word. And, of course, my college friends are like, you know, we're music majors. They're like, you mean sax? That's not a word. What are you talking about? <laughs> and they look it up, and I'll be daggone it. Stupid word wasn't in the dictionary anymore. Well, what dictionary did they look in? It was Webster's. And do you know what it means? Yeah, it's like a tool that you use for um, 
like in cement work and that kind of stuff. Yeah, and uh, roofing, yeah. I've even taken it further now. I mean, I've looked it up since then. And I, I'm a middle school band director, so I looked in, like, the dictionaries in school. It's yeah. not in a hardcover dictionary anymore. It's still not. <laughs> but oh. if you go online... You you've can to, look it up and find it online. You've got to find the right dictionary. The, the, <laughs> the thing is, if you're going to play Scrabble, then use the Scrabble dictionary because it's in there. Any old it's, dictionary isn't the same as any other old dictionary. They're not, the, they're not identical. Uh, you can't just treat each dictionary as interchangeable. It's a real word, though, and your friends were, were wrong. You were allowed to play it. It just you weren't checking the right reference work. You totally uh, should have gotten away with that. <laughs> totally. Sure. It's, I yeah, so Z A X is worth 19 <laughs> points, and then you add in a double and a few other things going on, and whatever other words you're extending out. Yeah, that could be a killer on a, a good Scrabble game. Joanne, your friends yeah. owe you. I think you have to track them down. Yeah, for real. Yeah, because they made me take it off, and then I had like I think I got like four points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, that's just so not fair. But it's a perfectly so, legitimate word, and Grant, you're saying it's actually in the Scrabble dictionary. It is, yeah. Oh, oh. That's a great Scrabble word. Mm. It's a really good Scrabble word. Z-A-X. Yeah. It's a variant of S-A-X, sax, and they come from old an old Saxon word or old <laughs> English word that means knife. Because it's got that one side is a really sharp edge, and the other side is like a tiny pick or, or a kind of a, a sharp chisel-like protuberance. Yeah, I can't say I've ever seen a Zax, but... Yeah, uh, they're still used. Uh, they're probably called something else. People probably just call them a hatchet, but yeah, a yeah. Zax or a sax. <laughs> yeah. So, Joanne, did okay. we make your day? Uh, yeah, thank you. So, it's a real word. I wasn't crazy. <laughs> Well, it's a real word. I should have got my points back then. (laughs) All right. Well, we're glad we could help you. Thank you very much, you guys. That was awesome. I hope you get to use it soon. (laughs) All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. Okay. Bye, Joanne. Bye-bye. There's some speculation that that exact word sax may be the root of the word Saxon because mm. they fought with long knives. Yeah. But I'd... we don't know for certain okay. whether or not that's true. Okay. Yeah. The, for some reason I was the thinking. The mists of ancient word yeah. origins are sometimes, yeah. um, they fail to clear. That one's really old. I'd like to hear from somebody who uses a Zax, though. Yeah. I've never, never heard of anybody carrying one in their so tool So all belt. the dictionaries that I've checked show that it's used in roofing. Oh, okay. And they okay. might call it a sax instead. I'd be, okay. I'd be interested. Do they still use the old word or they just call it a hatchet or hammer or something else? Yeah, what uh, do you call it? Call us, 877-929-9673, or send your answers and questions about language in email to words at waywardradio.org. Do you know what a grabbit and growl is? A grabbit and growl? Mm-hmm. Um, a sandwich and beer to go. It's pretty close. Uh, it's it's a diner that's sort of scruffy, maybe not that good. But you just sit at the lunch counter and you grab it and then go. Where's my check? <laughs> <laughs> Give me another burger. I like that. <laughs> 877-929-9673. Or send your language questions to words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, this is Kurt. Uh, I'm calling from San Diego, California. Welcome to the show. How can we help? Well, I actually I work at the San Diego County Regional Airport Authority, and we were having an off-site meeting um, with one of our divisions, and we were talking about feedback. And one of the points of feedback that one of our customers gave the group was that they were Cracker Jack. And mm. one of the participants at the event turned to me and said, what is Cracker Jack? And oh, really? I, yeah, I, I had not heard it before, and I said, I don't know, but I grew up in Wisconsin. <laughs> I used to get Cracker Jacks. And I said, so in my mind, I think it means like hit or miss because you get those prizes, and sometimes they're good and sometimes they're bad. <laughs> right. Sometimes you get the cheap little plastic figure, and sometimes you get the magnifying glass, right? Oh, but exactly. sometimes you got the whistle. Remember oh, the, whistle the whistle with two yeah. little notes? But the magnifying glass was the one that I oh, loved. Oh, that was, that was yeah. really but cool. But sometimes you get like this little like crumbly... Bleh. A booklet yeah. or something. Or the tattoos wah. that didn't work. You'd yeah. lick them and stick them, and then nothing <laughs> happened. It was just a piece of wet paper on your arm. Completely. And so I, in my mind, that's what I thought it meant. Uh-huh. But 
the irony is that I went home and I asked my partner, Nick, who trains horses in dressage, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and he's like, well, that doesn't make sense because there's a event production company called Cracker Jack Events, and I'm like, okay. Mm. Uh, getting to the bottom of it now. Yes. So we did actually end up looking up the definition and obviously discovered that it meant someone who was brilliant or smart. Yeah. So I was yeah. curious where it came into the language and how about it's used and how come I've never heard it before. That's interesting. And it makes me wonder if other people have uh, the same definition that you do in your head. <laughs> right, where they thought that it meant to hit or miss instead yeah. of um, great yeah. or good. It seems yeah. to me it comes from cracking, like something's cracking good, right? Yeah, we have that in a few words. We have crack shot, right? We oh, have, yeah, right. We have a crack team. Imagine yeah, like a yeah. heist movie with a crack yeah. team that breaks into the safe. Yeah. Um, we have that in a few places. And and we first see it show up in the late 1800s in mm-hmm. horse racing, I believe, mm-hmm. where they talk about really? yeah, cracker jack horses. So these, I believe, were horses who were fast off the mark. As soon as the race started, they were right out of the gate. And there they were. Um, wow. But it soon quickly generalized, and you can find it almost it sticks to sports for a really long time before it starts to be used for many other professions and just regular people mm-hmm. who are just kind of awesome at just mm-hmm. being alive. <laughs> right, and associated with baseball for a long time mm-hmm. because of the sugary treat, right? Right, exactly, yeah. Buy it, me it some sh- peanuts and Cracker Jack, And the Cracker, right? that came along, what, that's more than 120 yeah, years really now, right? Old. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so... Interesting, it- so fascinating the beginning of it in horses too, which my partner is a huge animal activist and, and very, <laughs> very much interested animals, so he won't go to horse racing. <laughs> so, so the jack though, oh, right. vocabulary. We should explain the jack though. So the crack part means excellent, good, first class, first yeah. rate, but the jack part uh, refers to the generic term for a man. So a jack or a jill, a jack is a man and a jill ah. is a woman. So a cracker, crack jack, it has been used instead of cracker jack. Um, so a crack jack is a great man, a good man, very good at his job. Wow. So your partner will so like that too, helpful. right? Yeah. <laughs> and so it is a good name for a business. <laughs> good to know. The next time I get some feedback, I'll call them a cracker jack, I guess. Yep. There you go. Well, Kurt, thanks for calling. Absolutely. Thanks for helping. Take okay. care now. Bye-bye. Bye. Good question. Out of yep. the workplace. It's funny because this is where we spend eight to ten hours a day, right? Yeah, in the workplace. In the workplace. And this is where we pick up a lot of language yes. and a lot of disputes. Call us with your stories from the workplace, 877-929-9673, or send them an email to words at waywordradio.org. Looking at a collection of slang from Nicaragua, and I like this one. You know how in English we say, rob Peter to pay Paul? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what's your sense of that? Uh, you're taking money out of your left pocket and putting it in your right. Exactly. In Nicaragua, you say, de vicio a Juan para vestir a Pedro. It is, uh, he undressed Juan to dress Pedro. Oh, so you take take Juan's clothes and give them to Pedro. Yeah. That's funny. So you still, you still have a naked dude, but... Yeah. <laughs> That's a good Everybody one. So wins. this is from a collection of Nicaraguan slang. Yeah, I just found it online. Pretty awesome. cool, huh? Yeah, it's very great. Call us with your slang, 877-929-9673, or send it an email to words at waywardradio.org. Hop on the language bus right here on Away With Words. Got a minute? We need your help. Head over to gum.fm slash words and share your thoughts in our quick survey. Your feedback matters. It's the backbone of our show's success. Thanks for making our show even more successful. That's gum.fm slash w-o-r-d-s. Thank you.
You're listening to Away With Words. I'm Martha Barnett. And I'm Grant Barrett, and we're joined by John Chinesky, our quiz guy. Hello, John. Hi, Grant and Martha. How are you? Hi, What's up, John? buddy? I'm doing well. Good. What's up? I'm, I'm doing great. Now, as usual, I'm out to embarrass the two of you as much as possible. Thank so you. So I've come up with a quiz. Yes, you're welcome. That will leave you both going... <laughs> <laughs> More than usual? <laughs> More than usual. I'll give you clues to phrases or titles that contain three words, all of which begin with the letter B. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. For example, this reality TV show was hugely popular, but only ran one season because the title character's wife, Whitney Houston, refused to continue on with the show. Bobby Brown's... Boondoggle. Baby. baby. (laughs) Close enough. It was being being Bobby Brown. Oh, being Bobby Ah, Brown. Okay. And it was on Bravo. So (laughs) there's that. (laughs) Let's see how many of these you can get. Oh, boy. He is Yogi's Ursine sidekick. Boo Boo Bear. Boo Boo Boo. Bear is correct. Yeah, very good. You call these people when a store or a company or a radio show does not meet your expectations. Better Business Bureau. Yes, the Better Business Bureau. Very good. This group was fronted by siblings Jake and Elwood. The Blues, Blues Brothers, Brothers Band. Band. Yes, they're on a mission from Gad. <laughs> All right. This phrase describes a detailed description of an event, like a prize fight, for example. Blow by blow. Blow by Ooh. blow is right. This one is just a lyric. Here you go. We love you, Conrad. Oh, yes, we do. We love you, Conrad. <laughs> bye bye, Birdie. It will be true. <laughs> bye bye, Birdie is right. This feature of the central nervous system protects your cerebellum and cerebrum from invasion by bacteria while allowing oxygen and CO2 and hormones in. Um, Body-brain membrane. I don't know. Body-brain barrier. Close. Uh, Brain-blood barrier. Blood-brain barrier. Yes. Blood-brain barrier is correct. Very good. You can find this signature Korean dish all over New York. It means mixed rice and is rice with sautéed vegetables, usually an egg or some beef. Bibimbap. Bibimbap is, is right. Nice. This song, written by Eric Clapton and performed by Derek and the Dominoes, is about unrequited love. Or maybe it's an immense sadness about having to wear old-timey sailor pants. <laughs> <laughs> Bell-bottom blues. Bell-bottom blues. Clang, clang, right. clang, clang. <laughs> this novelty song from a 1950 film is also known as The Magic Song. Its title follows the lyric... Salagadula Michigabula. Bibbidi bobbidi boo. <laughs> Bibbidi bobbidi boo. That's right. Now, this wacky 1965 musical film stars Paul Lind, Don Rickles, and Buster Keaton, oh, man. as well as its two iconic stars, Frankie and Annette. Beach Blanket Bingo? Yeah. Beach Blanket Bingo is right. Finally, in a famous sentence illustrating the plasticity of language, these words follow. Buffalo, 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 buffalo. <laughs> buffalo, 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 buffalo. Yes, buffalo, <laughs> buffalo, buffalo. Well done, you guys. You did pretty good on the... That's all, folks. Thanks, John. Really appreciate it. That's a good one. You're welcome. Thanks a bunch, John. If you got a quiz or a question for us, you want to know something about language, you've got something to share, a story to tell, 877-929-9673. Email words at waywardradio.org or let us know on Facebook and Twitter. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, this is Paige from Milton, Kansas. Hi, Paige. How you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you all? All right. What can we help you with? Uh, I have a question about a word that, or a, a little phrase my grandmother used to use. I used it in front of my children, to my daughter, actually, and they thought it was hilarious. Oh. Uh, she was getting ready to go out on a date, and I asked her if she had any mad money to take with her. And, uh, of course, she thought that was funny and had no idea what I was talking about. And it's real common to me, though. I've heard my grandmother and my mother use this term. I was going to say. Uh, I grew up. Yeah. So once you explain it to her, did she get the concept? Yeah, yeah. We live in rural Kansas, so the idea of having bus fare in your shoe kind of doesn't make sense. <laughs> so that's no buses, no buses in Kansas. So that's how you think about mad money. It's the uh, emergency cash that a woman would put in her shoe when she goes on a date in case the fellow gets fresh and, and she takes uh, umbrage and has to leave on her own. Correct, yes. Because there is another mad money. Uh, the other mad money is mm-hmm. money that you kind of save so you can splurge later. You mm-hmm. might buy a nice yes. pair of shoes or you might have a, just a crazy meal out that you ordinarily wouldn't provide for yourself. Just kind of madcap spending. Something. Yeah, and the, the two mads mm-hmm. are different. So the mad money for a woman that she takes on a date is in case she gets mad. And she has to, like, Correct. go out on And the mad money that you spend frivolously, that's because you're a little crazy. 
Um, you're, it's the well, Ma- I, I've Ma- heard of the former, but not the latter. Yeah, Matt is mm. in Looney. Um, Mm-hmm. And both of these words are about 100 years old. Both of these meanings of this are 100 years old. And I find that mad money is still used, although it's interesting. The cell phone has kind of become that default security advice or device for a woman when she goes out. Yeah. Yeah, because so she can call a friend, call a family member, call a cab. Or just a credit card. <laughs> yeah, or just a credit card, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Thanks, Paige. Thanks for calling. Good All luck. Right. Bye-bye. Thank you. Have a nice day. Take care now. Bye-bye. Bye, Paige. Bye-bye. Mad money. Mad money, yeah. Eric Partridge, the famous slang lexicographer, suggests that it came about during the First World War, but I can't really prove that, and sometimes his uh, etymologies lack supporting information. Yeah, I would think he would have a chaperone then, but who knows? 877-929-9673. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, this is Ellen Johnson. I'm calling from Coos Bay, North Bend, Oregon. Well, welcome to the show, Ellen. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. How are you? Just fab, thanks. What's going on? Uh, we travel a bit, and it occurred to me that we talk about the third world, and I think I've read that the developed countries can be considered the first world. So I asked a few people recently on a trip, where's the second world? And so that's my question to you. Nobody knows. Well, we have had the term second world for a while, but you're right, few people use it anymore. Um, First world and second world were actually around longer than the term third world. Oh. The first world and second world um, terms came up uh, right after World War II. Uh, it was first used by the U.N., and the first world denoted what you're suggesting, uh, the, the industrialized, capitalistic uh, societies in North America and Western Europe and Australia and Japan. And uh, the second world was the communist bloc, the Soviet Union and uh, uh, Eastern Europe. And then in 1952, I believe it was, a French demographer prepared that there should be a term for the rest of the world because that didn't encompass everybody. everybody. And so oh. he, uh, he proposed a term that translates as third world. And um, all those distinctions are, are blurring anyway. They're not all yeah. that useful. The word that I would use is deprecated. The, all three of these terms are now mm-hmm. deprecated, which means they are no longer used in the sciences where they once appeared. So you won't find them in social sciences or demography because third world has become a pejorative. The second world doesn't exist because Mm -hmm. the Soviet bloc countries aren't really a thing anymore. And the first world, to describe it as a unit these days, is probably a mistake because it's very fractured. Yeah. I mean, originally Brazil was third world and and it's it's booming these days. Yeah, the BRIC nations. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So there you go, second world, the former Soviet bloc. Yeah, who would I? Nobody knew that. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, you guys are so helpful. Oh, we try. Yeah, thanks you for did calling, great. Ellen. Thank yeah, you. sure. Thanks for calling. Thanks for listening. Glad to hear from I'll you. Spread the word. Thanks. Take, Take care, care now. Happy bye-bye. travels. Bye. You too. Bye bye. Bye. Oh, I'd love to travel. Where are you going to go next, Martha? Uh, you know, I'd love to go to London. You know what I'm going to do? I think what? I'm going to Washington, D.C. and go to all the museums. Oh. If they're open. Take the kid? <laughs> yeah. No, go by myself. <laughs> yes, I'll take the kid. <laughs> What do you want to hear from us? What do you want to know? 877-929-9673. Email words at waywardradio.org. Find us on Facebook and Twitter and our website where we have a very active discussion forum at waywardradio.org. A few weeks ago, our quiz guy, John Chinesky, gave a quiz called Just One More. And he was talking about the fact that he has a friend who likes to say five ever, Mm -hmm. which is even longer than four ever. Well, we got a whole lot of responses to that. And quite a few of you said that if we liked that quiz, we'd love the video of the late comedian Victor Borga on that same topic. He calls it inflationary language, noticing that there are, are parts of numbers in words, like wonderful. Mm-hmm. You know, if something's really good, it's, it's too, tutorful. tutorful. And uh, I watched the video, and it is really funny, and I just want to share one little passage from it. He says, tenderly should be elevenderly. A lieutenant would be a loot elevenant. A sentence like, I ate a tenderloin with my fork, would be, I nine and elevenderloin with my five. <laughs> <laughs> And so on and so fifth. <laughs> <laughs> I loved his stuff great. when I was a kid. He had this yeah. whole routine at the piano where he did the punctuation, where he would oh, make yeah, these, yeah. the sound effects for the right. punctuation as he read it. <laughs> right. Question mark. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Victor Borga, check out his videos online. 
And call us with your language questions, 877-929-9673, or send them an email to words at waywardradio.org, and come find us on Facebook and Twitter. Hello, you have a way with words. Uh, hello, this is Mike from Lochapoca, Alabama. Well, my question is about this term that would come up. Uh, years ago, uh, I'd play poker with friends, and uh, it was nickel, dime, quitter, you know, and we'd just have a little fun. We'd have this banter. Uh, when the cards came around, like a two would come up, we'd say, Lucy, Lucy, or a five, there's a fever. And we get to... Uh, the last person in the betting order would have this advantage because he got to see everybody play their cards. Somebody maybe bet strong, and then somebody bowls. Somebody maybe matches bet. Somebody raise a bet. And when you got to the last guy, he was said to be in the catbird seat because he had this advantage. I understand what it means. I just wondered how in the world did that ever get to be. I mean, that's really a a puzzle, and I'm glad your show's there because I can never figure this out. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned poker. Um, let me ask you, Mike, did you ever listen to Morning Edition on NPR back when Bob Edwards was the host? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Okay. Do you remember on Fridays he used to have this colorful sportscaster named Red Barber? Do you remember uh, that? I do. I sure do. Yeah, and he was from sort of down your way. He was a colorful guy from Mississippi, and he's the guy who's been credited with popularizing this expression. And he actually claims that he heard it in a poker game sitting in the cat oh, really? seat. Yeah, yeah. In fact, he, he lost a lot of money in that round. And he said he lost so much money <laughs> that he figured he might as well <laughs> get a phrase out of it since he paid for it. Yeah. But, um, well, that's quite a coincidence, yeah. Yeah. And then it was popularized even more by a short story by the writer James Thurber. It's a really funny story called The Catbird Seat. And it's about a really annoying office worker. Um, And this woman in this story runs around using phrases that she heard Red Barber use when he was calling the Dodgers games. And so she's the kind of person who, he he describes her as somebody who who would romp into somebody's office like a circus horse and say things like, are you lifting the ox cart out of the ditch? Are you tearing up the pea patch? Are you hollering down the rain barrel? Are you sitting in the catbird seat? Just, you know, that kind of person around the office who says annoying things like that. (laughs) I don't know, have you ever run into catbirds down there? Oh, we we have a few cat birds. Uh, they're supposed to be a kind of a a bad bird because they, uh, in the sense that they uh, take over other birds' nests mm-hmm. and lay their eggs in there, and then the other birds sit on their eggs for them. Huh? So they're in somebody else's seat. But they have a call like a cat, right? And they like to be up high. They're yeah. like they're like mockingbirds. They like to be up high and do their call to beckon a mate. Oh, okay. Or to, to establish their territorial range. Yeah. yeah. So, so if they're up high in a tree, then they're in a position of advantage. Yeah, where they can see everything happening around them. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. Well, I'm, sure glad, I'm glad you have this show because I could have never figured that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, I, I think it's really interesting that Red heard about it in uh, in a poker game, just like you. And the earliest use that we know of the term in print is from 1916, also from a poker game in Georgia. Wow, okay. That's, yeah. a, that's a very southern thing. I'm down here in Alabama. And, yeah. There we go. Well, Mike, thank you for calling. We really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, take care now. Take care. 877-929-9673 is the number to call with your stories about language. Or you can send them to words at waywardradio.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. Suppose your company is an overnight delivery service and you need to figure out language for letting people know that something has happened to a package that Mm -hmm. they were sending. Um, What kind of language would you put on the tracking notice? Something happened to their package and you can't find it. I don't know, it. accident in transit, something like that? Accident in transit. Lost in transit. Nancy Friedman, mm-hmm. who uh, who has the blog Fritter Nancy, wrote that she got one that said, Your package has experienced an exception. Oh, it must be a software error, actually. 
Oh, it's, you think? Yeah, because uh, an exception is a software error where um, hmm. one process doesn't go as planned and returns an error message rather than a result. Hmm. Okay. Well, maybe that explains it. It looks pretty funny just all by itself. Maybe your package has experienced an exception. Yeah, that's strange. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if it was like a template where your package was supposed to be followed by your package is now available or your package is in Tennessee. Yeah. But instead, the software just substituted the error message. <laughs> Possible. 877-929-9673. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, this is Heather calling from Tallahassee, and I have a question about a phrase that befuddled my son. Befuddled. Okay, let's hear it. How old is your son? My son is seven years old, Okay. and we were at the playground swinging, and we got to the point where our swings were going in tandem, and I looked over to him, and I said, hey, get out of my bathtub. And he looked at me with an expression of just complete um, confusion, and I realized that I grew up with it being completely normal to say, get out of my bathtub whenever we were swinging and our swings were going at the same speed. But apparently, um, that's just not the case anymore, and it made me wonder if there was any type of uh, history to this particular phrase or whether I just heard it somewhere or made it up or where it came from. Oh, that's wow. fantastic. <laughs> Do you know that one, Martha? <laughs> no, I never used we that. We never used that either. <laughs> no. We can, we I would, can dig around on this, but this yeah. is, I, I don't know. I would just know. say, hey, we're swinging together. <laughs> yeah, we kind of liked it. Get out of my bed. And you, and you grew up in Florida? No, I grew up in Louisiana. Okay. Oh. Were you, as a kid, worried that if you were in sync, the swing set would tilt or fall over? No, it never occurred to us, and we probably would have been, um, it probably would have added some excitement to swinging, <laughs> but no, I don't think it had anything to do with that. Huh. Was it like jinx? Like the first person who noticed it was a little bit better than the other one? Well, you definitely, you know, the person who who said, get out of my bathtub, um, would, I, I guess by saying that, you were saying that you were swinging at that speed first, and the other person uh, jumped okay. in. Right, right. Um, and so you were, I guess you were establishing some type of hierarchy there. Yeah. Heather, we got basically nothing to add to this. <laughs> we don't know where it came from. We don't know how far it goes. We don't know if there's a geographic component. It's a beautiful stumper. I love it. But I have two really dumb theories that I thought of that I want to share with you. Bring them on. You hear them? Okay. Do you know when you yes. go to the playground and, you're, and the swings are heavily used, beneath the playground is kind of this pit of sand, and mm. it roughly has the shape, or pit of dirt roughly mm-hmm. has the shape of a bathtub. That's one of my theories. But the okay. other theory is that if you're swinging full out and you're going almost horizontal, your body is horizontal, and you're kind of in the pose that you would be in were you taking a bath with your feet on one end and your head on the other. And if you're on one of the soft swings, like a rubber swing, um, then the actual shape of the swing itself is kind of like the shape of a rounded bathtub. Two dumb, useless <laughs> theories that you should probably ignore, but I just <laughs> there they are for what they're worth. So anything goes, apparently. <laughs> In terms of the theory. Hmm. Well, I'm not going to stop saying it. I love to swing at the playground. Mm -hmm. And um, whenever anybody is swinging at the same cadence as me, then I'm just going to tell them to get out of my bathtub. (laughs) I got to tell you, Heather, when when adults just drop all of their pose and all their pretension (laughs) and swing full out like they were still a kid, it's the best thing ever. I remember those days just going flying. Yeah, not caring at all. The elastic joints just kind of solving everything for you. No broken bones. (laughs) Well, Heather, thanks for calling. I'm betting, I'm betting that we're going to get lots of calls about other people who use this, and they might have their own dumb theories about where it comes from (laughs) and why people say it. But thank you for calling. Bring it on. I'm excited. And keep using it. thank you so much for having me. All right. Take care now. Bye-bye. Take care, Heather. (laughs) Bye-bye. Call us 877-929-9673 and share your language stories on Facebook and Twitter. Hey, we've got something special for those of you who love our show but could do without the ads. That's right. Imagine a way with words, the same engaging conversations, the same deep dives into language without advertising interruptions. We're talking about our ad-free podcast feed. It's sleek, clean, and it's just for our supporters. It's at waywardradio.org slash ad-free. It's inexpensive, easy to sign up for, and works with all major podcast apps like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It's an affordable way to support the show and get a seamless listening experience. 
And if you're feeling generous, why not give a subscription to another Away With Words fan? That's waywardradio.org slash adfree. Sign up today. Your support means the world. waywardradio.org slash adfree. Thank you. You're listening to Away With Words, the show about language and how we use it. I'm Grant Barrett. And I'm Martha Barnett. Grant, people often ask us what language-related or book-related websites we frequent, and so I thought maybe we could talk about a couple of them. Oh, yeah. Um, One that I've been looking at a lot lately is the Paris Review. It's that venerable literary oh, magazine. Really? It's Yeah, yeah. It's been around about 60 years, but you'll be interested in the way I consume it. I started consuming it on a regular basis because of its Facebook feed. Hmm. It's very attractive. It's very visual. It's got lots of photos of writers, and sometimes it's got photos of manuscripts that have been all marked up, great mm-hmm. manuscripts or Emily Dickinson's scribblings on envelopes. And one of the things I really like that they're doing lately is they're recapping Dante's Inferno. We're recapping it, just like yeah. it's an episode of a TV show. Exactly, ah. exactly. Because you know how we sort of come together, many, millions of us, mm-hmm. every Sunday night to watch this or that, you know, Mad Men or Breaking Bad or sure. something like that. And then part of the pleasure, at least for me, is reading the recaps the next day. It kind of uh, extends the pleasure it a solidifies the community aspect of it. You, yeah. You're like, oh, I was there. I yeah. saw that, and I felt that same thing. Exactly. Or they point out themes in Mad Men or something mm-hmm. that uh, you hadn't noticed. And there's just... It's just a little treat on Monday mornings. And so what they're doing is they figured, well, why couldn't we just uh, do the same thing with Dante, the real, you know, the Inferno, the great, great poem. And so they said, just think of it as every Sunday night you have your appointment viewing with with a TV show, but why not have appointment reading with Dante? And then the next day we'll recap it. And it's actually actually a lot of fun. I love that idea. And the other um, site that I've been going to more and more lately is Book Riot. You know, bookriot.com, it's got got some serious stuff about books, but also some lighthearted stuff. If I hadn't looked at um, Book Riot, then I would not know that I can buy online custom-made Edgar Allan Poe shoes, Ah. for one thing. Not toe shoes, (laughs) Poe shoes. Poe shoes. You know, got a little Raven, got a little Edgar Allan Poe. It's it's a lot of fun, bookriot.com. Good choices. Barry's Review, bookriot.com. My one choice is Stan Carey's blog. Stan Carey is an editor and writer. He calls himself a swivel chair linguist, which I love. And he's an Irishman who writes pretty practically about language as we know it today. He is a modern linguist, which means that he looks at the language with a new light and a new lens and tries to make sense of what we say today rather than what we used to say. He gets a lot of respect from people in the language business because he's really easy to read and he's a solid writer. And that's an important part of it. If I'm going to learn about language from other people, I need it to be something other than academic jargon and I don't need this dense thicket of words. Mm -hmm. He also contributes to the Macmillan Dictionary blog, and you can find his website at stancarey, that's C-A-R-E-Y dot wordpress dot com, or just search for Sentence First, which is the name of his blog. Do you know where that comes from? Sentence First? Um, I should, but uh, I don't. Lewis Carroll from Alice's Adventures oh, in Wonderland. Okay. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Um, the Queen says, Sentence First, verdict afterwards. Because <laughs> <laughs> remember, they do it backward, right? Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's guilty, and then here's what you did. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, I really enjoy his blog because he covers a lot of topics, sometimes just very, very briefly with a lot of links. Mm -hmm. And so it's a great way to get a roundup of what's going on in language. Yeah, and lots of conversation going there, too. So it's not just one guy spouting into the void. It's other people around the world who speak English and who are interested in language putting in their two cents or five dollars, as the case may be. Well, let us know what you're reading online about language. You can send us an email to words at waywardradio.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter. Or you can always call us with your questions and stories about language. That number is 877-929-9673. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, Grant. This is Rob Daniel calling from Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, Rob, what's up? Hi, Rob. So uh, one of my dear friends, we kind of have this thing going back for a long time, uh, kind of an inside joke about aardvarks. And now in this age of texting, I was just sort of texting the joke, and she wrote back, is that really how you spell aardvarks? Because I guess she just, you know, for years hadn't looked at it in print. And I was like, yeah, it is kind of weird that there's this superfluous A at the beginning of aardvark. And I sort of wondered to myself, is this A there? Because the person who named the aardvark 
wanted to be the first word in the dictionary. (laughs) (laughs) And how likely do you think that is? You know, people, I feel like, at least nowadays, people name things, you know, for, you know, some sort of personal reason or for some sort of, you know, there's like... Einsteinium and stuff, and and I thought, you know, that's as good a reason as any, like, if you wanted your word to somehow stand apart from the other words, why not make it first in the dictionary? Hmm. I don't know that it is first in the dictionary. I haven't checked. Yeah, it's (laughs) right up there. I don't know about first, but but I think it's pretty safe to say, Rob, that we don't know who named the aardvark. Um, It's a word that's been around for a long time, and the reason that it has that funny spelling is that it comes from the language in South Africa, Afrikaans, which is very closely Mm -hmm. related to Dutch. And if you've seen any Dutch, then you know that often there's that double A. And aardvark actually comes from a couple of words from that language that mean earth pig, because oh. it's it's a burrowing animal, and if you if you actually look at the two components of that word art, well in Afrikaans it's art fark, and if you look at those two components, the art is related to earth, and the fark is related to pork in English. So it's it's an earth pig. Do people eat the aardvark like we eat pork? Um, I don't think so. I think what's going on here is something that happens quite a bit in language where you see an animal or a food or something like that that you've never seen before, and so you give it a name that's that's uh, related to something that you already know. For example, the word porpoise in English comes mm-hmm. from Latin words that actually mean pigfish, porcus meaning pig and Piscis, oh. meaning fish, like Pisces. And so it's another example of that. It's a, The aardvark is a burrowing animal, and so they named it the uh, earth pig. That's a very cool answer. I like your I, I answer, too. I secretly still wish that it was a plot. Yeah. To, to, <laughs> I like that. To reach the top of the dictionary, but but I'm glad to know the, the real reason. AAA AAA aardvark auto repair. First in the phone book. If, if I ever have the opportunity to name a specific species of aardvark, which is unlikely because I'm a graphic designer, but mm. if I do, I'm going to go with AAA aardvark. <laughs> Just to beat out history. I like that. <laughs> hey, Rob, thanks for calling. Thanks, buddy. Thanks so much for having me. Right. You guys okay. have a great afternoon. Yeah. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 877-929-9673. Email words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Uh, hi, um, I'm Bob from Billings, Montana. Hi, Bob. Welcome to the show. Welcome. What's going on? Oh, I had a question about a uh, new word, new to me anyway. Um, the word is meetup. Basically, I'm, I heard this. I'm on the board of a local club. It's been around for a long time, uh, but has a gradually declining membership. Uh, the board recently elected a... Um, new president who's quite enthusiastic and wants to turn that around. Uh, He started by totally revamping the club website, did a very nice job. But there was one thing on the website that I find very distracting. He calls the monthly meetings meetups and capitalizes it regardless of where it is in the sentence. I find that distracting. It takes my attention away from the meaning of whatever sentence it's in, and seems sort of affected. Uh, he maintains that everybody in their 20s and younger is quite familiar with the word and very comfortable with it, and he hates the word meetings. Hmm. For me, the word meeting is neutral. I've been to meetings I hated, and I have been to others that I enjoyed a lot. Right. And, <laughs> and I think if you call a meeting a meetup, it sounds as if, I think they're boring, and I want to call it something else. Uh, so oh, you really? won't think it's boring also. We can get to the bottom of this, and I think we can help make you a little better with this. All right? I'm not saying that you're wrong, but I think there's an attitude that we can take here which might just change your point of view on this. There are two things at play here. One is the website meetup.com. This is a site which launched around 2002 and became really big by about 2004 during the political campaigns of that year. 
And they have meetups, and these are informal gatherings based upon shared interests. So you might have a pug meetup group, or you might meet because you're uh, a supporter of a certain politician, or because um, you're a fan of knitting. I don't, I don't even know what it is, but you meet up. Sure. But the thing about these meetups is that they're not obligatory. You come because you enjoy sharing your experiences with other like-minded people. And they are, tend to have really loose agendas if they have any agenda at all. Sometimes you simply show up at the same place and just start talking. You have a conversation, you have a coffee, you have a beer, what have you. And that's the whole event. It, there's no agenda. There's not a podium or a lectern. There's no PowerPoint presentation. There's no handouts. There's no obligatory clapping for people who've won awards. None of that kind of <laughs> stuff that you might find at a typical organization's monthly meeting. And so you are 100% correct when you say that they sound different from each other. And he's right in choosing that to make it sound a little more... Uh, you know, a little less kind of like, ugh, a meeting, and more like, oh, a meetup, right? It's just a tiny bit difference. The way that I would put it generally is a meeting is a formal gathering and a meetup is informal. Now, the meetup noun, the noun meetup definitely predates the use for the website meetup.com. I can find uses that are more than 100 years old of the noun meetup. But generally, and this may be one of the things that's kind of tweaking you, it generally, meetup has, has been a verb until the 2000s. Almost always, when meetup was used, it was a verb meaning to simply show up at the same place in the same time with other people. And it was two words, not one. Yes. The right? ver- the, sure. yeah. Meet up with. Yeah. Yeah. So the capitalization. Well, there are lots of verbs that have been um, turned into nouns. Sure. Sure, yeah. No problem with that, right? Sure. So anyway, at the very least, then, he's got a style issue where he needs to take the capital letter off of meetup, unless it's at the beginning of a sentence or other places where it deserves to be capitalized. Yeah, I have a feeling that's going to be more and more common. And I think that the other question here is is that basic question of writing. Who is your audience? What group do you want to reach? And I think it's probably actually pretty smart to use meetup if you're going after younger members. There is another distinction that I think that you could make here, Bob, to talk to your new director. And this is that a meetup is kind of a meeting that typically is for recruiting new people, for getting them interested in organization. This is the social aspect. We introduce the organization to newcomers. And then the meeting is the kind of thing that you have once they're committed, once they're paying dues or once they've signed on to be an officer or to volunteer or what have you. And you could easily make that distinction and agree with your director. How about we, how about we do both here? How about we make our older long-term members comfortable with meetings, and we also welcome the newcomers with meetups. I like that. Bob, why don't you give that a try? All right. And, uh, you know, frankly, it's not that big a deal anyway. No, but it's, right. the, it's these small things that niggle us until we, <laughs> right? These, they get, the bird gets under your saddle, and you just have to get to the bottom of it, right? Well, yeah, that burr under the saddle can be dangerous, but, uh, you know, this is just an annoyance. It'll, it'll, yeah, yeah, the burr under the saddle will turn into a big sore before you know it. You'll lose your mount. Hey, Bob, thanks so much for calling. Great. Thanks very much. All, All right, right. Take care now. Good take luck. Take care. Good luck. Bye-bye. 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 The workplace is just filled with these kinds of things, small and large, that annoy us about language, and sometimes they please us immensely. 877-929-9673. Email words at waywardradio.org. And find us on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and I don't even know where. We were talking earlier about uh, John Chinesky's quiz, Just One More, and the Victor Borga video grant. Mm -hmm. On our Facebook page, Jen Lynch has offered a couple more of these. Um, Maybe you can guess what these are. Okay. Hers was the biggest brass instrument in the whole marching band. It wasn't just a... Tuba, it was a threeba. Exactly. (laughs) Here's another one. He knew every detail about Henry VIII and his wives. His obsession wasn't just about the, but the blank. The tutors, but yes, the threeters. exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Jen, for posting that on our Facebook page. Come visit us on Facebook or call us with your language questions, 877-929-9673. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, uh, my name is Jody Perez, and I'm calling from Tallahassee, Florida. Hey, Jody, welcome to the show. What can we help you with? I am from um, a small town in southwest Georgia, and um, when we were young, Um, My sisters and I used to occasionally get to ride into town with my grandfather in his pickup truck, 
And we were sort of three silly, boisterous little girls. And I don't think he ever really knew exactly what to do with us. <laughs> and um, when we would go into the stores and stuff with him, we would see, you know, candy or shiny things or whatever. And we would be like, I want, I want, I want. And my grandfather's response to us generally would be, well, you might want candy, but you're going to die butt-headed. <laughs> and then the, the real way that the saying went was, you might want horns, but you're going to die butt-headed. But mm-hmm. he would substitute the horns for just about anything that we wanted to ask for. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. You might want <laughs> horns, but you're going to die butt-headed. Exactly. What did you take that to mean? I've never heard this from anybody else before, and I've asked friends and Uh, other people, and no one's ever heard it either. Nobody else, huh? (laughs) What did you take it to mean? Um, That we might want it, but we're probably not going to get it. (laughs) Right. If wishes were horses, then then everyone would ride, that sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah. This is a great classic expression. It's still not that common, but we've got it recorded in some of the writing of some of the best American authors. Zora Neale Hurston has it in her writing. In at least two of the pieces, a novel that she wrote and a short story, she uses this exact expression. And what we what we figure out when you get to the bottom of it is that butt-headed here just doesn't, doesn't mean stubborn or dumb like we would use it today, right? right. What it means is without horns. It means mm-hmm. muley. That's like an agricultural word for not having horns. Ah. If you depole exactly. a, a cow or a goat, they are muley or butt-headed. And so if and, wish- and, we lived, and he lived on a farm, and they had goats and cows and all kind of stuff. So I can definitely see where that came there from. There we go. Uh-huh. So, so the whole expression, you might want horns, meaning you want horns because you think they're an accessory or they're beautiful or very useful, yeah, but you're not sure. going to get them, and therefore you're going to die butt-headed. That means without horns. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so, but yeah, so it, it pops up uh, here and there, never that common, but it is such a vivid and colorful expression. To me, I would call this a Velcro expression, which when you hear it and understand it, you can't help but use it. Mm. <laughs> that's uh, that's how I feel about it. I feel that way about Velcro expression. I've never heard that. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> I'm educating the world. <laughs> Jody, that's fantastic. Well, thank you very much. He was an interesting old fella, so <laughs> I like to understand where some of these things came from. Yeah, Absolutely. I love the image of the three goofy girls <laughs> and the old gentleman. Yeah, it reminds town. me of Duck Dynasty. <laughs> yeah, do you ever watch that with Uncle Sai and the the girls in the car? Maybe. Absolutely. Not. <laughs> oh, you do. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Nice. Well, may you not die butt-headed. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks Thank for you, too. Thanks, Jody. <laughs> Thanks, Jody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks. Have a good day. So the, the Zora Neale Hurston, I mentioned she used these, a yeah. great African-American author. She used it in her 1937 novel, Their Eyes Were Watching oh, God, yeah. and in her short story, Conscience of the Court, in 1950. Hmm. And you can actually find that latter one in full from the Saturday Evening Post online. Oh, cool. Yeah. We love those language stories that involve your family. Call us with yours, 877-929-9673. Send them an email to words at waywardradio.org. And find us on Facebook and Twitter. Things have come to a pre- That's all for today's broadcast, but don't wait till next week. You can join us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, or SoundCloud. And check out our website, waywardradio.org. You'll find a dictionary, a newsletter, mobile apps, and a discussion forum. You can also listen to hundreds of past episodes free of charge. Leave us a message anytime at 877-929-9673. Share your family's stories about language or ask us to resolve language disputes at work, home, or school. You can email us. The address is words at waywardradio.org. Our senior producer is Stephanie Levine. The show is directed this week by Mark Kirchner and edited by Tim Felton. We have production help from James Ramsey. Away With Words is independently produced and distributed by Wayward Inc., a nonprofit supported by listeners and organizations who believe in lifelong learning and better human communication. We're coming to you this week from the Recording Arts Center at Studio West in San Diego, California. Thanks for listening. I'm Martha Barnett. And I'm Grant Barrett. Take care. Sayonara. I like potato, you like tomato, and I like tomato, potato, potato, tomato, tomato.